the CIA an army of individuals who have a license to kill? It's like Murder Incorporated, right? Oh, uh, are you kidding? The CIA makes the mafia look like a Sunday school class. I mean, our, this is the problem with what's actually happening in Afghanistan. They, look, the CIA has done in this country, what they've done to us is unbelievable. Look at the terrorist acts that have occurred. The CIA behind most, if not all of them. Uh, former FBI chief. Here, here's a direct quote from him uh, before he passed away, I think in uh, 2011. The CIA and FBI are behind most, if not all, terrorism. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grey America Show. Uh, we're going to be chatting with Richard Lighthouse a little bit later. Another suggestion from friend of the show, Clint P., they always tend to be home runs, too. This one is no exception. Uh, we chat about the universe blinking on and off and all sorts of other fun stuff. Uh, it's a hidden gem. Uh, well, I think Richard's actually pretty prevalent, but I haven't heard him in a lot of places because I think he wasn't doing interviews for a while. So uh, I think this will be first for quite a few of you. It's a first episode back in the igloo after, what, three weeks off almost. And here with me, the one and only, Graham... My calves now have a parody account Dunlock. <laughs> Actually, that? did you see the, I don't know, nobody knows. It's a mystery. But we think they live in the UK. Graham's calves from the UK? Yeah. But did you see that Adam's Oils joke? But Chuck Norris names his calves <laughs> Graham and Dunlop. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, the calf thing is really spiraling out of control. Yeah, it is. See you teasing a couple picks. I shouldn't have t- shouldn't have taken that pick after that hockey tournament. They were pretty ripped. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> I figured if I'm gonna if it's gonna happen, I might as well try and like might as well play start along doing my and life have days. some like have some control. You should over really it. start just pumping them up. Just work out your calves like three days a week, so they're just like. <laughs> I don't even do that. You need to start squats. I don't think so. You don't even squatty potty. Oh yeah, you do. Yeah, I do, but yeah. it's not working. No? No. It's worse? I think I, <laughs> it's worse. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, Richard Lighthouse was a good one. He even, he's one of these guys that recommended a whole bunch of other researchers, too. He's very, you know. Oh, very, we got it in 9-11, right? Yeah, we got into that. That's yeah. right. Yeah, this is one of those rare instances where we actually did this interview like a month ago because of the break and everything. So, Richard was, was great with his patience and waiting a month for it to come out and all that. Yeah. So, big thanks to Richard for that. Yeah, I forgot we got into that 9-11 stuff, too. Yeah, That's it was, right. yeah, yeah. And then next week, we'll have Neil Kramer coming out. And actually, I think he mentioned uh, architects and engineers for 9-11, and he was a little suspect of them. And I saw that presentation at the Red Pill Expo from Richard Gage. Actually, I talked to Richard Hilcom on the show. Oh, that'll be a good yeah. one. Yeah, and it was still pretty good. I mean, it was all about... Well, it's already uh, June. I mean, we should try and line it up like a September. yeah. You know, try and get a few people on in September to do 9-11. We can get Gage. I know Richard suggested a few other people. If the listeners have anyone you think we need to get on for 9-11, then maybe we'll do like a 9-11 month this this year. Maybe, yeah. Or half a month or something. We'll see what we we come up with. It's always fun to talk about. 
Yeah, I think it's still opening up a bit. You know, I think people with everything that's going on right now, people are realizing that, you know, we're basically under a blanket of lies here. Yeah. And when you, more, the, way, more the more and more you look at those buildings coming down and the way Richard's presentation shows it, like, regardless of what caused it, it definitely, definitely doesn't, it didn't fall from a fire. Free fall. <laughs> yeah. Just close to free fall. What that tower in London just completely burned. I mean, it's not the same structure, obviously, but it, it completely steel, burned nothing, and the buildings, the skeleton remained. Yeah, but you I know mean, well enough. Metallica that, song. You know well enough that if if it if it melts from fire, right, it's just going to warp and sag. It's not going. Yeah, it's not going to disappear. Consider, I would consider my input on construction, especially steel construction, as expert level. I'm not a engineer, a structural engineer, but I have been building steel buildings for 15 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not just on the grunt level either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm involved in enough of it to know that there's no way. That it doesn't collapse like that. There's no way. No. And I would consider my opinion, maybe not expert, but as close to, it's a professional opinion for sure. I do what I do professionally yeah. at a high level. Yeah. So that so that brings me to the Red Pill Expo, really, which was fantastic. It was it was great. So we'll do it. We're, Darren and I are going to do a little rundown episode, like an extra. We're going to do a teaser right now. Yeah. Why don't you take a couple minutes right now while I get into the moment? Well, the Red Pill was obviously, and then I'll do a couple minutes of vacation as a teaser. But we are going to. We have enough for a full episode. We're going to do a full bonus app of us just hashing it. Actually, my buddy Cause, uh, I hung out with when I was out. He wants to come and join us for a bit on it. So. Okay, he he cool. did his first ever podcast. He did Friends to Know with me. Oh, cool. While I was in Winnipeg. Busy. Oh, really? And we were going to do it at his house, but it didn't work out. So we actually ended up just circling the city twice on the perimeter highway and doing Driving? Adam's podcast. And Adam had a migraine, so Adam wasn't even there. He got a migraine like 10 minutes before, so it ended up being me, Adam, Justin, and Nap. Oh, okay, cool. Right on. So yeah, the red pill was good. I mean, obviously the theme was the red pill. And, uh, you know, about, and they kept playing that Matrix clip over and over, but it was really. I <laughs> must have got old fast. Even I, like, can't even do it anymore. When we do ones like that, you yeah. know, I just can't. I used it so much for RPG in the beginning. Yeah. But, I mean, it really was a lot of examples of us living in a bunch of lies, right? From all different perspectives, right? From everything from, um, you know, the mainstream media, people with personal examples of how the media has kind of fucked them over to, uh, you know, a lot of science stuff, health and wellness. Um, obviously nine 11 was in there and there was a ton of, it was about 600 people there. It was really well organized. Vaccines, really? Cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. It was, it was really well organized and there was tons of nice people, friendly people. And uh, you know what, you know what it ended up being a lot of, it was a little more political than I thought, but it was because it was an underlying theme of freedom right which is interesting because it automatically kind of puts you on the other side of the mainstream media and sort of like the left right which is sort of glo it sort of puts you on that other side of globalism right it can't sort of help i mean not that you know a lot of the a lot of the guest speakers were about global solutions but not in the same globalist way if you know what i mean yeah, well, you know, my argument is that you can't have a global society unless everyone's playing the same game. If you're paying people pennies on the dollar and the cost of living is pennies on the dollar in certain parts of the world, then it doesn't work, 
We're yeah. just turning parts of the world into slaves for other parts of the world. Yeah. I mean, we are the 1% as far as the rest of the planet's concerned. Yeah. Yeah, but the problem is the money that it doesn't go to the the poor either, right? The transfer of wealth doesn't, it doesn't really make it there. I mean. No chance. Yeah. It doesn't make it there in the first world. The chances that it makes it there in the third world are, are, aren't even slim to none. They're just not. Yeah. So anyways, uh, what was your, uh, so, so we've, so I got a bunch of, uh, you know, guests lined up, talked to a lot of different people. I should have, uh, some notes handy actually, but we'll talk about it. Uh, talk about it more on the other episode, but all the, all the, all the speakers were very keen, keen to come on the show. Actually, you booked a couple? Well, not solidly booked, but invited for sure. Got email addresses? Alex, yeah, I got a bunch of cards and stuff. Alex Jones was uh, had his had his um, reporter there doing some live reporting. I was trying to get the T-shirt in. Trying to, did you get it in there? What do you call it when you get behind the camera? Like, uh, I think it's like uh, photo bombing. Photo. I tried to do a couple grammarical photo bombs, but it wasn't working out very. Wasn't good. working out. You trying to keep my there? calves out of it and just yeah. get the shirt in there. You're too short. We should have sent somebody taller. <laughs> yeah. You could have jumping the, up and down in the background. You could have on Michael's shoulders. Uh, Next time. So big shout out to everybody there. Met a listener there and his wife. Oh, there was a listener yeah, there? Yeah, Samuel. Samuel? Yeah, was I was it Samuel good. L. Jackson? No. Oh. No. Did he recognize you? No. Well, he sort of, he thought, he thought he saw me at a bar the night before. And I'm like, dude, I don't even drink, but I'll see you there tomorrow. I'll be in the shirt, so. Oh, he seen you in the shirt? Yeah. Hmm. There you have it. Maybe there's someone pretending to be you. Maybe. Wonder. Could be a thing. So how was your vacation? It was good. All in all. Yeah. Detached from work, detached from the podcast. Was it good to I get was out still in the, the woods chat a, bit? a bit? But uh, yeah, it was good. Great to get in the woods. There's always the home drama. There's always a bit of that. The family home drama. Yeah. And then there was like, I was going there to be the MC at a wedding and I left my suit in the hotel in Brandon. The no. night before the wedding. No. Yeah. So I came up with this big ploy to fix it, which just ended up costing like five or six hundred dollars. What? And still didn't end up with the suit. And yeah, I ended up borrowing a suit, which in the end I probably should have just done right away. Instead of, you know, you go into that fight or flight fucking yeah. panic mode and you're making rash decisions and yeah. you're sending people places in the middle of the night. Well, and and you're just, probably baked with some great idea great scheme and it was just to... like fucking you know and then when it didn't work out it was it literally took me like less than an hour to find a suit that fit me in town yeah and for the money that i spent trying to get it there that it ended up costing me i'll get into the details of it on the bonus app yeah but the money that i ended up fucking spending i could have went in the little small mining town where everything costs twice as much as it's supposed to i probably could have just went and bought another suit and have two had two <laughs> For 600 bucks, you know, even a small town, you can get a suit for 600 bucks. Did you borrow that hat too? No, that's my hat. That's your hat? Yeah. How come you never wear that? I do wear it every time I go. Whenever I wear my suit, I wear my fedora. Oh. Looks good, eh? So let me, let me ask you this. So I didn't like that suit because usually my suit's more of a pinstripe, sort of plaid pinstripe sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And that one was just solid black. So I kind of looked like a reporter or a men in black or something. Yeah, that's what I thought. Only the people in the chat get to see pictures, though. 
the chats. That's why you need to be in the chats. I think I actually made the new link, grammarica.ca slash chats. Okay. So chat doesn't work anymore because that was a fucking link that expired. I don't even know if this one's going to work for long. What? The link? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Every time I make a link, it keeps expiring. Just for chats or links in general? Well, I make a pretty link because the fucking actual link to join the chat is something fucking retarded that I couldn't actually just say out on the air. No one would remember it. So you make a the pretty link expires? It's like discord dot. Yeah, dot, app dot eighty percent dot twenty Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I just then I take that copy and put it into my website link generator that costs like five bucks a month, <laughs> and I can basically just take fucking any fucking link in the world, paste it in there, and make a grimerica.ca slash whatever I want, and it'll automatically forward. Oh, okay. Huh. This is all stuff you should know one day if yeah, I ever don't come back from vacation. Yeah, one day. So. So the chat, C-H-A-T, this yes. is the new chat, because, yeah, S, sorry, because uh, the Google chats, we ran out of room. We so ran out of room, is, we did Discord. a purge, and we didn't feel about it. There was a story there with Bill, Bill the shill, started seeming like maybe he was CIA. He was so always there. Some people might have panicked, and then everyone without an avatar got <laughs> kicked out. And then we figured out what Bill was, right? <laughs> then we figured, then Bill, Bill contacted. So was it the story so about Bill, the guy so leaving his this. computer so on? So now back in the new... Yeah, that's him. He's now back in the new chat, and he took the B from the old chat and made it his avatar. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but it isn't. Doesn't look like the uh, the no avatar symbol in the new chat, so it's okay. Right, exactly. I'm, gonna, I'm going yeah, to yeah. allow this. Yeah, I know what you mean. But I'm still standing to my avatar rule. If you don't have an avatar rule within a couple of weeks, I'll kick you out. What if I you're? What if I'll you're, get Grimstake to do it. What He's if my, you're like? What if your letter is like right Z hand, or Hitler's X? Who's right hand man? Is that an avatar? If your if your name is Xavier, can you just have X? Like that's cool enough. You don't want a bunch of S's in there, but if you're an X or a V, you could be okay. Oh, if you just put a letter X, yeah. No, just pick a fucking avatar, dude. There's a billion pictures on the internet. I feel like Grimstake needs a good dark handle because he's the one who does the dirty work. (laughs) Grimstake's good enough. He has to quit smoking. Yeah, I've threatened to pause the show. And give out his phone number. He doesn't quit smoking. So this is a perpetual chats that we have going on. It's pretty fun, actually. I, I'm in there browsing around every once in a while. It's pretty good. Yeah, you definitely see some stuff in the chats that you're not going to see anyplace. So let's just finish that Bill thought. So there's this B that was always in the old chats, right? Everybody was calling him Bill the Shill. We thought he was like this agent because he's always there. And then we find out later that his computer got left on downstairs or something. So, so it was like perpetually in there until he figured out how to... Meanwhile, Darren had kicked him out, and everybody's like, I miss Bill, <laughs> even though he never said anything. Now he says stuff. Yeah. It's better. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So, and you know what it is fun is we addressed it in an in- intro that we had pre-recorded a month in advance. So it took like a month for the whole thing to play out instead of a week. Yeah. That's the other part of the problem is that all, <laughs> all the old links are in the old notes. So that's part of the problem with this podcasting and the time delays, right? So... If people are listening to an old episode and then they follow the link in that note, it's going to take them oh, yeah, to the people, Google chats, People right? are still popping into the Google chats, but I put Grim in charge of the migration. The re- Yeah, the migration. Yeah. And I just drop Slack. I think those guys still do like a chat on Slack all the time or something, but I don't know. I, I don't get into the Slack. I had to pick one. Yeah. And Discord seemed to work. Yeah, it seemed well. like we had to pick one fairly soon, so. Yeah, I just pick discord right away you know it just 
seemed role in better is working on all platforms. Yeah. The Slack bot was pissing me off. Mm. Anyhow. Yeah. Other than that, we caught a bunch of fish on the vacation for sure. That's good. But yeah, people do need to check out the chats if you want the backstage sort of pass, because that's where you'll see, you know, stuff that's not going on any other social media. Probably the only place a lot of stuff you see in the chats you're going to see is in the chat. Yeah. And not only that, if we do, like, if we do anything live or anything like that, most of the time, those are the people that are going to get, you know, you're just going to be more up to date on everything. Yeah. Chats. Right on. America.ca slash chats, I think. If not, just go yeah, to America.ca yeah. slash yeah, hangout. And then no, 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 no. Just go to the chats. I can test that right now while you're talking. If you yeah, want well, whatever. If you go to the hangout, you'll get there. Anyway, <coughs> check out grammarica.ca slash support, guys. Um, help us uh, balance the books, get out of debt, Graham's debt. We've got, now we've got the Podcaster Pro. It piles on more debt. That'll be cool, though. That'll really oh, streamline yeah, right. our traveling. We'll be able to podcast from any place. Yeah. Start doing some more conferencing. Conferences are expensive too, though. Actually, Red Pill's not when you can drive, it's not bad. Yeah. Especially when you drive in the States and gas is like a third of the price. Yeah, I definitely filled up in the States a couple of times. Even with our exchange rate, it's still cheaper. Oh, yeah. It's, I think with the exchange rate, it's still half. The drive through Montana was unreal, actually. I there were certain, certain parts of it. Like, some of it on the freeways, you know, but I took the, the scenic road back. We, we took the scenic road back. I was with my girlfriend, and there was like, it's like you're driving on a huge plateau with mountains all over. And then the, 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 the drive between um, Great Falls and, and Helena was just unreal, through, like, rolling hills and rivers. and Nice. Yeah, beautiful. Well, Something about the rolling hills with the green, like half rock, half green grass on the hills, like just sort of small mountains and hills, like something about that. Like it feels like you could run up and down the hills. Like you could. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll come go through there. Cause I'm heading down to the States soon. That was another thing. So check out America.ca slash support guys. It really does help. Uh, someone in the chat today was, 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 uh, thanking us for the show profusely. And, blah, blah, blah. and I said, you know, don't just thank us. You got to thank the hundred people or so that have signed up for a month. They have a buck or two a month that really, if it wasn't for those people, the show wouldn't still be here today. Yeah. It would just be too much. It would yeah. just be too much expense and everything else by this point, like the amount of money, you know, tens of thousand, 10 grand, at least by this point, we've done doing this thing. We never could have done it without these hundred or so people. And there's more than that. If you count all the one side, one time donators, but without those people, the show would not be here. Yeah. So uh, become one of those people over at crackmarket.ca slash support. Of course, it doesn't even have to be monetary. You can help us by sending us content, sending us stories, synchros. You can send a review, actually. Review the show. Like, I've got, a, I've got an email here from the one star. One star Marsman. Back again? Yeah. Did we, should we let him know that he can change his review? Go five he does, does he, Really? Can he? he Someone can else did. It? Really? Someone else went back and changed it. But he had thought he was never going to listen again. He's donated. Our one-star reviewer has donated to the show. Before the one-star? No, after the one-star. Yeah. Huh. So I got to apologize to him because he was going to come on the Passport episode, and I fucked up. Legitimately, there's two, two Johns were coming on, right? 
you remember when we were in yeah, the middle yeah. of that and we were doing the passport and it was coming down to the last couple callers and I got an email saying, oh, I'm, I'm crashing, right? So this is why we leave John the big, long voicemail, right? Yeah. Because we thought he was still coming on. And meanwhile, it was the other John that said... Or That's no, it was right. that John that said he couldn't come on. So I totally mixed it up. So I felt terrible because he, well, it was kind of, it was kind of might not have happened. And he was really like, well, if we can connect good, like, you know, but it wasn't, you know, super, you know, for some reason we both didn't thought it might not happen. Anyways, I got some feedback from him on this. So this is, this is how, so we've been emailing back and forth, actually some really long emails and had some great discussions on stuff. And I think he was a little rattled at that one episode with Randall Carlson. And I think we had Cyrus in there, you know, I think that's not our normal style. I think he's listened to a couple more, maybe realized we're not so dogmatic all the time. So anyways, he, uh, he sends this email here. I finally listened to the show that I missed out on and it is unfortunate that we didn't talk. I could have explained that at the time of the books and movies, hobbits still considered themselves to be subjects of the North Kingdom of Arnor. Do you remember that discussion we had? I fucking have no idea what you're talking about. Remember about Frodo and the hobbits uh, and saying they yeah, don't no, have a I king and all that? I don't listen to that. You're autonomous. What? You were the one arguing with me over it. Yeah, but I don't. Care. I was saying the elves and the dwarves have kings. Yeah, I just, oh, I'm really just God. fucking with you when I'm arguing with you because I don't care about fictional creatures. So he says, in the sense that nothing had officially replaced it, and they claim to have sent archers in the last battle in which it fell, until the king returns, was still an expression used up to the time King Elisir, that's Aragorn, our king, as they referred to him, did return. Locally, their nominal leader in times of need was the Thane who was the patriarchal head of the Took clan at the time of the Battle of Bywater, and he's Pippin's father. Pippin himself later became Thane, east of the river Brandywine in Buckland, and who's the master of... Oh, my God. He's one of the main characters. Is he Frodo's buddy? Yeah. Pippin and Poppin? Oh, my God. Snap. <laughs> east of the Brandywine in Buckland, the master of Brandybuck Hall is the head. Elsewhere, there's the mayor of... Michael Delving, which is the largely ceremonial elected office who presides at banquets. Frodo filled the role for a term, and his return was eventually Samwise, took over and was re-elected for many years. All in all, hobbits don't really fit into any of the categories we think of politically. An altogether reasonable and sensible arrangement. Very hobbit-like. Hobbit? Hobbit. <laughs> How's that for throwing down some nerd Trump? <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then I'll continue. He says, are you familiar with Bernard Hayes and his books, The God Theory and the Purpose Guided Universe? Now, we've never talked about that, but Where I think we... Where did he we... get all the Hobbit information? He's, he's just that a... part of the books? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's all the lore in the books. Yeah. More than this. So he's read more than just the four that I read? Or is this all in those books? Well, there could be a couple other supplements, like the Similarian, maybe, or something like that. But no, most of it's in there. You just got to... Yeah. Because I've read them. I know. Well, you don't. You weren't really interested, obviously. I was pretty interested when I was a kid. I really liked The Hobbit when I was a kid. Yeah, me too. So he says, uh, "How about process?" The movie was actually super disappointing. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, I pictured it different. What about the Lord of the Rings movies? That was pretty good. Those were good. Yeah. 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 So how about process theology? 
I heard you talking about questions regarding Darwinian style evolution. I think there's a lot to learn from some ideas in that regard. I had read chaos years before and the idea of a system that is indeed random, but sensitive to initial conditions. I don't feel qualified to make statements about my ideas, but a discussion would be helpful. What if the process initialed by a primordial, relatively unfocused consciousness was, is indeed random, but with initial conditions that would lead to the development of Loki, of consciousness, formed from itself and including material and non-material aspects. In other words, this primordial consciousness forms the founding factor and foundation of all, and hence can be referred to as the all. And once having initiated the process of self-actualizing through creation becomes the ground of all being as described in Huxley's perennial philosophy, or as used in describing Brahman, or God, if you will. So evolution happens, and it is indeed random. The actual steps play out to according to circumstance, but is rigged to produce the effect of consciousness experiencing itself through infinite variables. Heish draws some Kabbalah, Kabbalah into the idea, the ideas of Ein Sof and Timpson. Check it out. Be well. And that's interesting because we're... I told him we were getting into the macro evolution, which we're about to record in like 15 minutes here. So it'll be really interesting what he says. This will be a good one. Yeah. Because I found a new creature. Oh boy. So thanks for the email. A bear ale. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Oh no. Yeah. Well, Darwin believes that whales evolve from bears. Oh, come on. You've got the wolf and the dolphin and the bale and the where? The- <laughs> The bale of bears. <sighs> I figured you would have got a kick at Jordan Peterson saying that we separated from lobsters. Oh yeah, I know that's that's crazy. Like he's, he wants people to he wants people to take him seriously, and then he thinks we came from lobsters. I mean, or you know, along the same path as lobsters. I don't know. That is mainstream evolution. Yeah. So if he know, wants people to take him seriously, then that's no, it's what not. He should be saying. It's, I don't know. That's what they teach in I school. I don't think that's... Aren't we beyond that? No? I don't know. The, 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 all, the, all, the, all the fucking similar DNA is hard to, you know? That doesn't mean that we evolved from one, from one to the other. Where's the half lobster, half man skeleton? <sighs> no, well... No? What? You separate... And then you go, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know, I know. I'm just sort of kidding. So it's but, like a half lobster, half something else that turns into half this, half that, half this. Half. I mean, by the time you get from here to here, you're so fucking many degrees away that billions, maybe a billion, at least a million. Hmm. I think it'd be more like a billion to go. How long have lobsters been around? We'll ask this guy. Yeah. This guy could settle some debates. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I feel like you've picked him because he's on your side, though. I don't have a side. Yeah, your side's against I'm, me, clearly. Against Wolfens, yeah, but yeah. not... Have you talked to this guy about Wolfens? No, already? I haven't talked okay. to him about Wolfens. So, okay, what else we got? We did, I didn't play a single fucking jingle. Uh, well, I got, I got a little synchronicity, which is probably, uh, you know, good from um, yesterday's, uh, from the last podcast that came out. 
Ugh. It's probably going to come through. I heard that through my headphones. Did it come through the mic? Nope. I think it might have. What was it? A fart. <laughs> I thought you were talking William about... William is an all-in believer in chemtrails. What are you doing? I'm just making sure it's working. Come on. I'm a rambling gram with synchronicities all over the web. And Aaron is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. All right, so I thought we'd just play a quick one here. Um, we're running out of time, but... Uh, this is, I think this has to do with the episode last week, which was um, Dr. Eric Wargo, right, on synchronicity. So this is, uh, hmm, yeah. So Graham, do you ever wonder if your thoughts turn things into synchronicities? A couple of weeks ago, I was driving down the street in a very small town and saw someone who I know, but would call an acquaintance. When I saw her driving down the opposite way of the street, I immediately thought back to her having a heart attack several years ago, maybe 10 years back. Wondering if she had tried to turn her life around. Was she still smoking? Did she change her eating habits? And so on. Really, all of this was none of my business, and I was not even sure why I was thinking about it. Turned the page in the book, and last week, she had another heart attack, and is still in ICU on a ventilator. I'm not sure of her expected outcome at this time, but it is all very sad. I can say I've had several incidences like this in my life. Here's another more recent example. Get this. I work in an office that has a truck bay and a very large garage door. I was walking through the garage area one day and I had thought to myself, man, that would be really horrible if that door fell down. Sure enough, that same day, the giant garage door fell. Luckily, no one was in there, so there were no injuries. I can't help but wonder if some of these thoughts are manifestation or psychic ideas or what. How would you be able to decipher the difference? I think it would be conceited of me to assume that I manifested these things, mostly because my powers of manifestation suck in every other avenue of my life. Specifically, my concern would be that both of these incidences were negative and I have no ill intent for anyone. These aren't my normal thoughts. They just seem to pop in my head at random times. Can you give me some perspective? Thanks, Brittany. Nope. Hey, you can. I can. Dr. Eric Wargo. No. What would he say? Now, I don't know if Brittany listened to our last episode or not. So he would call it precog, right? That she's, that she's, she's, uh, picking up on her emotional, she's picking up on her emotional. She already read that that door was going to fall. She already knew the door was going to fall. That's why she thought of it. No, she thought of the emotional reaction. She picked up on the emotional reaction of the door falling. Right? No. That was his, that's where the precog happened, but where's right? the emotion? There shouldn't be any emotion. But it, the door fell. But not near her. But there's a, her, her emotional, it doesn't have to be like, so you know. So you think, oh, because she was feeling fear as she was walking under it, tapped into the future. Yeah. Of her reading or whatever, knowing yeah. that that door yeah. fell down. Or for example, yeah, I like think it could just be a ripple stick too. I mean, it really is only what a couple of hours. Well, let's I mean, there's day. probably not that much of a difference between a ripple stick and a synchronicity when you start describing it the way Eric Wargo describes it. Exactly. Yeah. 
So he, yeah, he would, he would call that more of a pre-called reaction or whatever, right? Or I think he's got a more That's technical right. term, but. And then there's always a chance that it just like leaves an impression or I don't know. Or maybe she's just that powerful that she's manifesting it. Could so be, like you say, those, as soon as you start thinking of shit, that's that's the thing, you know? We'll keep those thoughts positive. Yeah, power positive thinking. <laughs> I have that book. Do you? The book Trump read when he was a kid. Helped him manifest his billions. Are you still doing your, uh, your uh, information? I <laughs> well, You manifested your holidays. That's right. They're good. Right on. And to manifest some more. That reminds me, before I sign out, I wanted to show it. So I had my trip backwards. I actually have to go straight down from here into Idaho or Oregon or Montana for the eclipse on the Monday. And then after that, I want to head to Northern California to check out the big old trees. Then I want to head up the Oregon coast, at least to Seaside, maybe even to Seattle, and come back that way. And I want to do, I'm going to do some hotels, but I also want to bring a tent and stuff mm-hmm. and do some camping. So I'd rather not just be picking places on the internet. If we have people that have been there and know of some good campsites or know of, you know, some places kind of along that route. So picture like straight down from Calgary over to Northern California, up to Seattle and then back to Calgary. If there's any must see Camping spots. Camping spots or maybe or even some hotels hidden hotel too. gems yeah. you know about or whatever you think, you know, maybe some spots that I should be thinking about to watch the eclipse. Send that over to DarrenAckerAmerica.com. You haven't chosen your eclipse spot yet? I thought you had a, a I have spot. a spot, but I'm still open. I'm still open to better spots. Right. And I think a bunch of these fucks are meeting up from the chats too, but I'm pretty sure they're all too far from me. Are you going to drive down and check it out or what? No, I don't think so. On the Monday? No, you can be back it, to work on the Tuesday. What? Yeah, maybe. How far down do I have to drive? Well, probably like how far is Boise? Hey Siri, how far to Boise? It looks like a Boise, Idaho, is about eight hundred and thirty-seven kilometers. That's not too bad. That's so like and I think nine it's hours. Like, that's Boise, Idaho, is only that only that far. Yeah, that's not too bad. So, yeah, you could. Probably take off the Monday, and then if you fucking burned it back, like you might not get a ton of sleep that night, but you can be back at work by the Tuesday. Hmm. I'll think about it. Probably worth it. Well, you've seen one though. I might be. I'm getting recommended to another conference down in. Actually, I think it's in South Dakota. Is that far? Well, it's right under North Dakota, which is probably about as far as the Paradigm Symposium. <laughs> yeah, that's a little ways. That's a probably 24 hour drive. Yeah, I don't know if I'll be driving that far each way. Yeah, we'll see. But flights are cheap if you can get to fucking states. Yeah. Anyways, we need uh, somebody that has a plane, someone who like works for an airline that has buddy passes, so we can start sending ground to conferences. That'd be cool. Yeah. Anyway, we better jump into. We got an interview in like four minutes, so thanks for listening, guys. Uh, yeah, we're back back on our weekly schedule so check out grammarica.ca slash support check out grammarica.ca slash news you already ran yeah it's all good enjoy the chat okay (laughs) Dr. Richard Lighthouse oh yeah is it doctor yeah no I don't know it is today
you frequent summaries of all information available. Of all, of all, of all information available. Frequent summaries of all information available. Of all. All right, we're excited to have Richard Lighthouse with us tonight. He's published more than 100 ebooks, most of them free, some of them very technical. And a lot of it's been about, you know, the sort of centering around the scientific discovery of that our universe literally blinks on and off. That's called the lighthouse frequency. And the harmonics of this frequency can be used for time travel and faster than light travel and parallel universe and all this kind of stuff. It's really interesting. He's He's got a master's degree in mechanical engineering from Stanford, and he's previously worked at NASA. Awesome. And uh, it's it's really interesting stuff, especially after we've done a couple episodes on on this type of uh, mind-blowing thing. I've been looking into oh, yeah. that. Yeah, it ties into so many previous episodes. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it does or maybe it doesn't, but it, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll talk to him about all this stuff. So uh, thanks for coming on the show, Richard. It's great to have you. Thanks, guys. I'm I'm glad to be here. I, I appreciate uh, being a guest on your show. It's one of those topics where uh, I started looking into all your work, and I was uh, li- listening and reading some of your eBooks and I don't even know where to begin. There's so much going on, but immediately I kind of like to know, and this doesn't have to, we don't have to talk about this yet, but I like to know, like, what are the implications of this, uh, this research, right? And and we get into um, the difference between, you know, our current scientific dogmatic paradigm and, and what you're talking about here with the lighthouse frequency and different uh electrons i mean it's just so much interesting yeah, yeah. stuff like after, in all, after all the stuff near the end of looking into it i got caught up in all this this light travel stuff and i'm just uh, fucking fascinated yeah that's where i got stuck for sure <laughs> okay well so let maybe, me yeah, maybe, can... maybe for the beginning here maybe if you could just kind of give our audience a quick rundown of what we're talking about in in some simple terms sure that that's a, that's a good place to, to start um a little background. Um, many uh, many scientists, uh, uh, going back for decades, have been looking for a solution. There's uh, there's uh, between quantum mechanics and and other theories. There there's a um, a gap that mm-hmm. had, that physicists have not been able to explain, and they're looking for a solution. Einstein spent last 20 years of his career trying to understand the nature of time because he was certain that that's where the uh, the gap was. And uh, there have been a number of theories that have been proposed, some of them very complex mathematically, and no one has been able to put together a simple explanation um, that would tie it all together. And um, one of the interesting, or two interesting things that Einstein said uh, during the later years of his career, uh, one was that if the idea that scientists came up with to explain all this was not wildly absurd, it probably wasn't going to go anywhere. So the reason he made that statement is because he found out uh, through years and years of discussions that the the um, the standard sort of analytical inside-the-box thinking just wasn't working. And so he realized early on that it had to be something that was really outside of the box. And yet at the same time, he was also quoted as saying that he was confident that the math that explained the universe was elegant and simple. Yeah. In, f- in fact, he said he it should be so simple that I can explain it to a child. 
And, and, and I hope that that will be one of the takeaways for uh, your listeners this evening is that um, some of the ideas that I'm expressing, you'll find that they're so simple that, in fact, you can explain them to a child. And they're, they're not complicated at all. One, uh, uh, certainly um, Einstein's simple equation, E equals MC squared. Um, I'll touch on that a little bit. But um, so the, the theory that I have proposed, and uh, it is not my original idea, I have simply provided the math for it. Mm-hmm. The idea, the, I, the basic idea is referenced in the back of uh, several of my ebooks and comes from some new age material uh, known as the Seth material. And he is quoted many times, and I've got a number of his direct quotes that date back to uh, as early as 1964, where he stated very literally, uh, your universe literally blinks off and on at a very high rate. And uh, I took that idea and I said, well, how could that work mathematically? How would you explain that? And I worked on it for uh, several years trying to understand how the pieces of the puzzle would fit together with that simple idea. And um, what I came up with was actually um, a, a subharmonic and the, and the primary frequency. The primary frequency is 1.039 terahertz. And this can be proven experimentally. Uh, and I will give several uh, examples uh, that will demonstrate uh, that this is a real solution and, and something that we've seen in actual practice. And one of those examples is uh, at the World Trade Center on 9-11. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the harmonics of this frequency can be used for time travel. And for those uh, listeners that are familiar with the pictures on drjudywood.com, uh, specifically, Figure 63, if you'll look on, uh, if, uh, on her website, there's an image, an overhead view of, uh, um, of the World Trade Center complex. And World Trade Center Building 6 has cookie-cutter holes punched through it. I, it's, it's, it's plain as day. It's the first thing you notice when you pay attention to that photograph. And there, there's really no rational explanation other than the fact that infrared lasers were used on that building on 9-11. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of disinformation uh, to try to um, uh, to, to try to uh, denigrate um, that theory. And basically, uh, I've I published a couple of papers describing how that laser works. One of them is called... Um, Technical description of the infrared laser used on 9/11. Mm-hmm. It's available. It's available on my website rlighthouse.com. It's free. Um, but basically, at a harmonic, um, th- this is not an ordinary laser in the same way that a nuclear bomb is not an ordinary bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, this laser is extremely powerful and basically reduced the entire World Trade Center buildings to dust in less than eight seconds. So when, it, when I say powerful, there, there, there's no exaggeration there. And it does this by rapidly aging the molecules in the laser's path. And if you, and there's a, a, a video, a very short video clip that's called figure 38A on Dr. Judy Wood's website that clearly shows a, lo- a very large steel beam still standing that was from the corner of one of the buildings and it gets caught by the laser, and in midair, several hundred feet into the air, it, it does not collapse and fall. It does not melt. It simply turns to dust in midair, and you can watch the video clip of it. Yeah. Um, 
So you um, can almost I'm see that whole sort of center core columns turn to dust. That's correct. There's there's a, a massive dust cloud that ensues as as the building collapses, and uh, a, a lot of folks have tried to describe this with uh, with claims that are not reasonable. And and really looking at the pictures, uh, you don't need a, an advanced degree to figure out that those those circular holes in World Trade Center Building Six they're all about the same diameter. Just look like cookie cutter holes in in the complex that go right through the steel and concrete. And by the way, jet fuel does not burn through concrete and steel. It doesn't get hot enough. Yeah. Especially not so, after it's fallen a half a mile. That, that's correct. Yeah, that's and there correct. was really a lack of rubble there, right? When you look at the, you can see. Yeah, there's pictures of the day that you can see some street level things. Yeah. That's, that's right. There, there are a number of uh, very good images uh, that Dr. Judy Wood has put together. And I, I strongly recommend that website for those that are uh, curious. But I'm using that. Uh, that was a segue to explain that the physics for this is real. The yeah. harmonics of this frequency, and the har- and in my opinion, the harmonic that was used for this infrared laser is is 1.039 times 256, uh, and, th- and that turns out to be about 265 terahertz. That's in the infrared spectrum, and that would be a perfect frequency. It would it would have to be. V- very precisely held, um, something that um, would be very difficult. Um, so discussing that technology of how they did it is is a whole other level of discussion. Yeah. But I'm using this as an example that this technology is real and this is how it works. So does it resonate with the that frequency that you're talking about? So that, you know, there's the lighthouse frequency and if you can find something that creates a resonance effect, is that, is that what it is? Well, it, uh, the, the way it works is all of the harmonics are already there. It would be sort of like um, plucking a guitar string yeah, that's what I was and, then, yeah. and then touching your finger to any of the harmonic po- points after you've plucked the string. So you can, those harmonics will come right out. But the, 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 the reason you would use one that was in the infrared spectrum is because that's what would, uh, an infrared laser would power through. Is that particular frequency, mm. and and the other the other reason they would use it is because it's invisible to the eye. It's not within the visible spectrum, mm-hmm. um, so that that's why no one caught that or noticed that. But um, Doctor Wood was careful to to determine that the the building collapsed faster than free fall in gravity, which again is is another thing that defies explanation under ordinary physics. It's like what was pushing down on the top of the building to cause it collapse faster than free fall. Mm. That doesn't make sense. In, in, in the description that uh, the government's official explanation, um, they claim that the building collapsed due to um, uh, structural failure in, in the eye beam. or some shit. Pancaking. And it, it, it literally would have stopped on each floor. So it would have been a very slow fall had that been the, the, the collapse method. Yeah, all the clips and, would have had to shear off. Yeah, yeah it's ridiculous. Steel, like, it's yeah. ridiculous. I, I, I work in, in construction of high-rise buildings, so I can call a spade a spade right off the bat. Yeah, that, that's good. And, and a lot of people have, have noticed that. So um, Actually, it was um, Judy Wood's work that... 
that kind of turned Darren down the the rabbit hole again for nine eleven. Like you, you weren't really. I had just ignored it. Yeah, yeah, just, you'd ignored it for a while. I and wasn't then, down the rabbit hole at all when it happened, and then I just didn't look into it. And then I ran into Judy's videos, and then I was just like, okay, yeah. And then so I opened up the nine eleven rabbit hole like ten or fifteen years after everybody else, <laughs> and then it just consumed <laughs> me for like six months. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's it's really a fascinating study, and and uh, unfortunately, it does uh, implicate uh, our government and and probably the intelligence agencies as well. There's a, a number of good websites that go into details about specific um, um, that's fake specific news, things. That, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. Say that again. I said that's fake news, Richard Lighthouse. <laughs> Well, if, if I could, I'll quickly name a few people that that I consider to be experts on 9-11. Sure, yeah, absolutely. We'll put them in the show notes. Yeah, the, these are all these websites we talk about. I was I'll on that notes. website the other day, the Architects and Engineers. Yeah. And something, what is it? It's up to like three or 4,000 or, or more by now. Wow. Yes, uh, there, are, there are quite a few people that have, have kind of self-educated themselves on a, a lot of the details. And, and that's certainly very helpful. Um, some of the people that I would recommend, uh, Dr. Morgan Reynolds, who's a, a professor emeritus at Texas A&M, he has a website called uh, nomoregames.net, and he was actually in the Bush administration. He was an economics wow. advisor to the Bush administration, and I strongly recommend his website because he's got the slow motion clips of the planes flying into the um, into the building. And what's so compelling, and you can hear, you can watch his videos where he describes it. If you watch the um, uh, the view, it was taken from a, uh, what appears to be about a mile away. It's clear that it, the the the, uh, the video take was photoshopped because the the plane itself. There's there's a flagpole in the foreground, in the near foreground, in the video, and there's a guy wire that's that's. Um, strengthening the flagpole so that guy wire is about 10 feet away from the camera and the plane in the background hitting the tower is at least a mile away the plane in the video flies on the wrong side of the wire in slow motion it's clearly a fake model wow okay i I encourage listeners to to check that out it's at nomoregames.net you can watch the fake cartoon airplane fly on the wrong side of the wire Okay. Yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. It's actually twenty eight hundred and seventy six people have signed it. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah, and that's then offline. If you if you're in touch with any of these people and you think they'd be interested in in coming on the show, do put it put me in touch with them. I, I can do that certainly. Um, so, some of the names that I can recommend: Dr. David Griffin. He's a university professor. Uh, Dr. Stephen Jones, a physics professor. Uh, Dr. Kevin Barrett. He's a professor. Um, We've had Kevin on, I think. Hey, yeah, we've had Kevin on, yeah. Yeah, okay. And um, What was Jones? Dr. what Jones? Dr. Stephen Jones. Stephen Jones, he's okay. A, he's, a, he's a physics professor. Okay. That seems to be the one that could bust it open still, you know? Well, the, I, mean, I might just be naive, though. No, but the implications are huge because, you know, we had Joseph Farrell on and we talked about the different levels of this conspiracy, right? There's like, you know, the the base level and then there's the, you know, the ultra secret level, which is kind of what you're talking about, where, you know, maybe there was always planes planned on, you know, hitting it, but only a certain amount of people at that ultra level knew that 
the, you know, that these buildings would be dustified, right? Or, or that they would come down at that all. They would come down at all. So it implicates, you know, this, this sort of breakaway civilization that people call it, or like a, you know, this elite crowd that are using these technologies and these weapons um, for whatever, whatever purpose, right? That's where the real interesting part is for me. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. Um, uh, w- one of the other pieces of information that I found that's, that's very compelling is, is an attorney named Michael Springman, and maybe you've heard of him. I, I would recommend him for sh- your show as well. He's an attorney in Washington, D.C., and um, he's got a book out that's called Visas for Al-Qaeda. Mm. And uh, his history is that he was head, uh, he was stationed in Saudi Arabia with the State Department where he was head of the American Visa Bureau. While he was stationed in Saudi Arabia, Arabia, he was repeatedly ordered by the CIA to issue visas for terrorists. And he strongly objected and argued about it many times. And he would come back, they'd threaten his job, they'd threaten him. And um, uh, unfortunately, these visas became the 9-11 hijackers. He had filed numerous complaints with his superiors, and eventually they fired him from the State Department because he wouldn't let it go. Um, so it's, it's clear that the, j- just from what Michael Springman is saying, that the CIA had planned this from the beginning. Yeah. And again, uh, his, his book is called uh, Visas for Al-Qaeda. Yeah. And people are always asking, oh, where are the whistleblowers? Where are the whistleblowers? Well, there is lots of whistleblowers out there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There's lots of whistleblowers out there. Uh, well, I, I, another one that I'd, I'd quickly point out with the World Trade Center is is a former FBI chief named Ted Gunderson. And uh, if folks have not heard about him, I, I, I strongly recommend him. I, I consider him um, uh, a heroic icon. The, the man had a great deal of courage to do some of the things he did. Uh, former FBI chief. Here, here's a direct quote from him uh, before he passed away. I think in uh, 2011, the CIA and FBI are behind most, if not all, terrorism. Yeah, that's think crazy. about Whoa. that for a second. This guy is was the number three or four person in, in the FBI. He was head of the entire Southwest Division uh, for the FBI, a, a chief, which is very high level. And this is a, a direct quote from him. The CIA and FBI are behind most, if not all, terrorism. And he knew. He had the rank. He had the security clearances to know. So I, I encourage uh, listeners and readers to look him up. He's got a lot to say. There's a number of good videos that he's put out. Um, he actually went around the country touring um, 10, 15 years ago with several people just to try to get the word out about what was going on. And uh, um, had his life threatened many times. Uh, he was stalked and harassed continuously, and uh, he kept he kept going. I, I, the guy's got a lot of courage. What about the uh, you know the site that Darren was talking about, the architects and engineers one? Like, do you recommend that as well, or is that a different? I mean, I know there's some some different sort of uh, groups of nine eleven, you know, where it gets kind of either too conspiratorial or not conspiratorial enough, and there's still a lot of like, you know. Um, not infighting, but disagreement within that whole community. There, there is, and the 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 the, uh, the site that you're referring to, I have visited that site. It's got a lot of controversy on it. Um, it uh, sometimes it's hard for me to to separate the wheat from the chaff. There, there's there's certainly a lot of experts there, yeah, and uh, a lot of a lot of folks with advanced degrees that have spent a lot of time studying it. Um, it, it appears to me, and this is my opinion, that there's a great deal of disinformation 
uh, on that website because they have attracted a lot of attention. Yeah. And so uh, it, it appears to me that the intelligence agencies that are focused on the disinformation have, have, have compromised uh, that, that organization, unfortunately. If, if you're able to sort that out, I think there's still some good information there, so I, I wouldn't dismiss it entirely. That's a good point. So I was living in Vancouver, and I heard about this guy who was developing like free energy and levitation called Hutchinson. I think we were, we were actually trying to get him on as well. And now you talk about him quite a bit in your research as well. And does that related to what happened at 9-11 as well, or is that a completely separate kind of technology? Actually, it is related, and that's uh, uh, thank you for bringing that up. It's, it's related in that what uh, Mr. Hutchinson was on to is uh, I've described in, in a few of my papers, in my opinion, uh, what he was doing was combining uh, lower frequency uh, radio frequencies with light x-rays. And by combining those uh, frequencies, what happens is you'll get an interaction of the waves. And uh, you may have noticed this if, you, um, uh, if you've ever seen like a, a a swimming pool that, that, that is not perfectly square or is broken up into parts, there will be um, uh, uh, sort of an inlet passage where the waves can get through. Mm-hmm. And you can see the effect when uh, a ripple effect goes through there, how the, the waves combine. And so I'm trying to give you a visual image of what happens when two different frequencies combine and they, and they produce, uh, um, I forget the, the, the name of the term for it, but they, they can combine and create and hit uh, certain resonant frequencies. And one of those resonant frequencies I'm proposing is, the, is a harmonic of the lighthouse frequency. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens where he's able to get levitation of objects like bowling balls. And he's got videotapes of it. Unfortunately, it's not reliable. He has been uh, asked repeatedly to, to demonstrate it on command. And you just can't do that because he can't predict when he's going to get the right combination of those two entirely different frequencies such that it hits that resonant frequency the uh-huh. harmonic yeah i think he, i think his and place got raided when i was in vancouver that his whole apartment condo got shut down i i heard about that i heard yeah. about that apparently the um uh, some of the folks didn't want that information getting out yeah. and he was starting to get a little too popular yeah yeah <laughs> could that so on a quick sidebar, could that could that be used as something that's responsible for like the Fibonacci sequence in nature? It's it's possible, and and it's interesting you bring that up. A lot of folks have tried to describe the relationship between those different frequencies in terms of uh, the Fibonacci sequence, and and that's certainly a possibility. Um, I haven't seen the exact math for that yet as it applies to the things that Hutchinson has done. But that, that's an excellent, excellent question that um, um, I would like to see somebody look into. Mm. So the, the math is there, and, and it should be uh, demonstrable whether or not uh, that hits one of the harmonics. Um, but, uh, again, that, that is some additional physical evidence uh, that I'm proposing as an explanation of how these harmonics work and that I am not simply just providing random equations um, yeah. to explain something, yeah. but there is some physical evidence to back this up that this this is a real solution and there's real physical phenomena. Yeah. One more one more example I'd like to give along those lines very quickly is um, 
a gentleman by the name of Colonel Philip Corso, and I've referenced him several times. He's the He's the author of a book that came out in, back in the late '90s called "The Day After Roswell." Mm-hmm. It, it it was it got a lot of uh, uh, press attention, and he did a, a number of interviews, including uh, 60 Minutes and and a lot of uh, local broadcast stations. And uh, one of the statements that he made again, this was this was uh, these videos were recorded around 1997. The Roswell crash occurred in 1947. And Colonel Corso claims in his book that he was put in charge of reverse engineering all the technology that they could out of the vehicle. One of the statements that he made uh, later on now, after he's retired, is that we were never able to figure out how the propulsion system works. We only know it has something to do with blinking. Okay? The, The reason that statement is so compelling is is it ties right in with these other physical pieces of evidence that strongly suggest that our universe is blinking and that the harmonics of that frequency can be used for time travel and faster than light travel. Um, so that, so uh, that to me also like screams like my TV is blinking and my phone is blinking and I can see the blinks when I eat mushrooms. Um, doesn't doesn't that, like that just screams digital or simulation or holographic to me right away. Is there any correlation to that, or or is there is there? Well, th- this 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 particular frequency, and I understand what you're saying. This particular frequency is so high on the frequency spectrum; it's terahertz. It's trillions of cycles per second, and and it's in an area that that scientists have have been difficult have had difficulty explaining for many years. And in fact, they call it the band gap because it's above the, the uh, frequency of microwaves, uh, which, where we know there's lots of physical phenomena, uh, particular uh, uh, molecular vibrations and that type of thing. And then there's a big gap, and then it jumps up to infrared spectrum and frequencies of light. But in between that is this band gap that, that scientists have had difficulty explaining because there's no physical phenomenon occurring there. And that's always been very puzzling because... Our entire frequency spectrum has natural phenomena of just about anywhere you look. And here's this big gap in the middle, and we're going, what's going on there? Why is that gap there? Well, it turns out there is something going on there. Um, 1.039 terahertz is the blinking frequency of our universe. And um, uh, that that could be one of the reasons why there's very little physical phenomena close by that frequency. I want to try to give listeners a sense of because you bring up a good point. It's like, how can I relate to that? Help, help me explain that um, perceptually. How, uh, what, what does that mean to my senses? Well, one of the ways that I have tried to explain that is um, uh, imagine a ceiling fan. If you've ever used a strobe light on a rotating fan and caused the fan blaze to look like it stopped, it, it, maybe some listeners and readers are familiar with that. I've um, seen that effect I find sometimes if you get even the fan in the right light, you can get that effect where it looks like it stops spinning. That, 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 and that's correct. And, it, and what is happening is um, pulsations in either uh, the light itself, for example, it could be from the household current. Or if you've got a, a true strobe light, you can dial in the strobe until it hits the right frequency and it'll make the fan blades look like they've stopped. Well, that's kind of what happens with this um, blinking frequency. 
If you go faster than the frequency, nothing happens. If you go slower than the frequency, nothing happens. It's like tuning in on your radio dial. If you don't hit it precisely, you don't get any music. And so I've had a number of people ask me about that, saying, well, I know we've seen femtosecond lasers, and um, they're used, and, and, and there's no time travel effect, and that's clearly much faster than the terahertz that you're talking about, and that's correct. But again, it's like uh, tuning into a specific radio frequency. If you don't hit the right frequency, you get no music. So then if you get that exact <clears throat> frequency, you just kind of slip into some sort of purgatory. No, it just slips into a different like, universe, parallel universe. Is that probably, what it would be right? into an into so where the time is two universes. That's how you get through time travel and faster than light travel, right? Yeah, yeah, I get that. But I'm just like, what is is, is it? Just, it must just be two then, right? The the, well, the 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 this and the anti. Well, okay, that that that's a good question. Okay, so let me let me try to explain it from the way that uh, Colonel Philip Corso did in his book. And while he was studying, trying to study the, the vehicle that they had recovered, or actually this was prior, just prior to that, this was in 1957 in the desert, I believe in New Mexico, where he was the base commander at, um, I, th I think it was White Sands, don't, don't hold me to that, but it's one of the military bases in the Southwest. And he had uh, taken one of, uh, one of the pilots and they had flown over one of the remote areas of the base, and he noticed a shiny object on the ground that was clearly on the ground, and it wasn't an aircraft. And he said, let's go back to the base. And he, he, he had some concerns about what it might be, so he got in a Jeep and drove out there. And again, this is a pretty far drive out there, and it was already turning dusk. When he came upon the grounded aircraft, and, and I'll, I'll try to quote it just, just the way he did. But I, again, it's in his book, which I, I strongly recommend. He said the vehicle sat on the ground and was pulsing and that it appeared to be transparent at times and seemed to fade in and out of our universe. Mm. Now think about that. So what's happening there compared to what I've described with this frequency? If you don't hit the frequency just right, and sometimes you're a little slow, and sometimes you're a little fast, what would it do to a vehicle? It would make it appear as though it was fading in and out. And at times, it would appear transparent. That would be the perfect description. Are you following me? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. So, <clears throat> one of the, one of the, the um, sort of the images that I describe in my free ebook that's called Faster Than Light Travel the basic mechanics, and agree, again, that's free on rlighthouse.com. Um, uh, these free eBooks are also available on Amazon, Smashwords, Apple iBooks for uh, folks with uh, iPhones, and uh, Barnes and Noble, as well as many other websites. So these are free, and I've done that deliberately because um, I'm just trying to get the word out. Uh, I'm more interested in seeing this technology uh, developed and used. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, and try to get that benefit because there are some very significant benefits that go with this technology. <clears throat> Your so, current employer is okay with that? Uh, the, the, I had done this all before uh, beginning my, my uh, employment with my current employer. Okay. I, I, I work for an, an engineering and construction company. So we oh, were involved okay. I thought with you were that. in the energy sector. <clears throat> Uh, right now, I'm in an engineering and construction company that works for energy companies. Okay, yeah. You've got, okay. got a degree of separation. 
<laughs> no, that, that, I think that's one way of describing it, yes. So I, I have worked for some big uh, energy companies in the past, uh, doing business development and uh, done a lot of international travel. So uh, that's something I enjoy, but uh, what I'm doing right now is more uh, uh, practical and involved with uh, engineering and construction. Yeah. So um, uh, but, but let me quickly jump back to um, how this how this works, because you, you brought up a good point of what happens when you hit that frequency. Um, so one of the ways that I can explain this, and, and I tried to do this in this book that I'm talking about, Faster Than Light Travel, The Basic Mechanics, um, the second paragraph where I talk about what is fifth dimensional space, because that's, that's very important to understanding what happens, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, when you hit, when you synchronize a vehicle, the electrical signal with the blinking of our universe, which again is beyond the perception of our, sen- our, our senses. It happens so fast, you can't perceive it. And uh, a simple way to understand that is we all watch movies at, at uh, the movie theater, and those, those projectors are uh, typically around 30 frames per second. But you don't see the blank spots in between those frames when it's moving at 30 frames per second. In fact, you don't think that it's a fixed image. You see a moving image, and for all intents and purposes, you think it's moving. Well, it's it's really not. It's a fixed image that's moving at 30 frames per second. So you can imagine at 1 trillion frames per second, you simply would not sense or perceive any gaps or the fact that uh, you're seeing um, individual slices of, it, uh, of a reality that's constructed. And I know that's difficult to get your arms around, but you get, you have to think about it for a minute. So what happens when you synchronize with this particular frequency, uh, one of the harmonics, uh, the first harmonic is about 2.078 terahertz. Now, what you can think of is what happens when you synchronize with this frequency is that you're basically um, straddling realities, okay? <laughs> your vehicle goes into what could be called suspended animation or a stasis okay you're literally straddling in between universes you would still perceive in and out the physical universes that you were trying to leave and an alternate universe or fifth dimensional space now fifth dimensional space can be thought of as grand central station all right that's a good analogy because when you want to travel anywhere if you're in new york city you know back in the day you want to get somewhere, you go to Grand Central Station. You can get anywhere from there. You can go to uh, um, any city in the country. You can go to foreign destinations. You can get to the port. Uh, you can take the train to get on an airplane. And that, that's a good analogy of what fifth dimensional space is. So once you step into it, you are simply one step away from anywhere in any universe, any time period, or any dimension is literally one step away once you're in fifth dimensional space, so what I, would it look like? Can I? I gotta. Yeah, I gotta say something. What if we could reach that state naturally? Like, what well, if we could synchronize? Ask. I was actually going to ask if if there's any research between psychedelics and and it harmonizing because I mean sometimes on on psilocybin you can almost see the resonance, and on DMT you might just be in the fucking other side. Yeah, but like, what if that's creating a resonance exactly? Like, or if you're NDEs or OBEs, like, what if you can do it while you're lying in bed meditating? Like, what if that's how people actually reach those other dimensions? Maybe even lucid dreaming. Maybe you're in that state of you're synchronized with that uh, with that blink. 
here's how I, you bring up some good examples, and and here's how I would explain that in in uh, kind of practical terms. Um, and I'll use uh, Seth's terminology here. Okay, um, the way he explains it is all of time is simultaneous. These ideas about backwards and forwards of time are are simply a distortion because. In reality, all of time is simultaneous. The present, the massive present moment contains all periods of time. Mm. If you hold out your arm and wave it around, you are literally moving your arm to a dinosaur that was standing there 70 million years ago in our terms. But the reality is it's happening right now. Okay. Try to get your arms around that because that's going to bring up a lot of questions like, hey, won't the, the molecules and the atoms conflict? How come, you know, they don't, you know, bump into each other? Well, what does an atom or a molecule consist of? Mostly it is nothing. 90. It's night. That's correct. It is ninety nine point nine 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 percent empty space. Perfect point. So um, how does that work? Your subconscious mind actually perceives all of these realities, all of these periods of time simultaneously. If you were to try to experience that with your conscious mind, you would be overwhelmed. So what happens between your subconscious mind that senses and experiences all of these realities simultaneously, your ego filters all of them out except for one. The primary function of your ego is to keep you focused in one reality. Okay, now that doesn't mean that um, um, experimenting with certain um, chemicals, <laughs> and I and I'm, I'm I'm neutral on the subject. I'm not trying to take a position on that. I'm simply saying what you might be doing in such a case is asking the ego to step aside a little bit and letting that information come in from the subconscious mind. Mm. That's really so interesting. So the, the realities, the realities are always there. They're always present. And by asking your ego to step aside and let go its its rigid grip of your conscious mind and its singular focus, it allows that information to come in through. So this also explains why um, telepathics and and um, psychics can see the future because they're simply using the subconscious mind to sense what is always there for everyone. It's not an unusual talent. Everyone has that ability. It simply requires a relaxation of the ego to let the subconscious um, perceptions pass through to the conscious mind. So that's probably a, a longer answer than you were looking for, but I, no, I hope that helps a little bit. That's good, because that lines up really well with our interview with, uh, was it Eric Wargo? Dr. Eric Wargo? Because mm -hmm. he was he explained synchronicity, you know, and kind of the method that time is not linear. It's all happening at the same time. And these little synchronicities are you kind of the reason they're they they stick out to you is because you know the future it's, reward it's or it's tied to something. Yeah. It's precognitive. Yeah. For lack of a better term. You're pre you're precogging the emotional response to that thing as opposed to the event itself. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a good point, and and I think uh, an equivalent way of explaining that is saying that all of time is simultaneous. One of my favorite quotes that that I like to use that uh, Seth had mentioned is, "You have no idea the difficulty of explaining time to someone 
who must then take time to understand the explanation. <laughs> and I thought it was very clever uh, because we're so accustomed to thinking in terms of um, uh, backwards and forwards, uh, past and future. And Seth made it clear that time moves not only backwards and forwards, but inwards and outwards. It is multidimensional. So there, are, there is no singular timeline. There are an infinite number of timelines and probabilities available to anyone. And the past can be changed just as easily as the future or the present moment. Nothing is fixed. All of those timelines and all those probabilities probabilities are always available to you. Well, it's funny. There, there, there are no limitations there. And the way you remember the past is probably through your ego a lot of times. So it's fixed in, you know, it's fixed in your, your ego fixed the past as well. That, that, that's a good point. Your, your ego wants to see one timeline. It wants to think in singular dimensions. And, and that makes it easy. It makes it easy to, for, for decisions. It makes it easy to keep you focused um, within one reality. But that doesn't um, make the other realities any less valid or real because they are, they are just as valid and real. Is there any sort of evidence that any sort of wildlife is able to tune into that at all? Because they, 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 they might Sasquatch? not have an ego. Maybe that's why Sasquatch can uh. disappear. <laughs> Well, that, 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 that's, that's an excellent question. Um, I think the, the way I would explain that is um, um, Seth's many comments along the lines of everything possesses consciousness. And I mean literally everything. There is no such thing as something without consciousness. And by consciousness, I mean self-aware. Everything is self-aware. Even a single atom is self-aware. So everything, including animals, they possess consciousness. Although um, uh, science and religions have tried to denigrate animals and, and claim that they have no soul or they have no um, self-awareness, uh, Seth would say exactly the opposite, that they in fact do have uh, consciousness and they are very much self-aware. Now, they don't have the beliefs and the ability to logically deduce things that we possess, but they are consciousness and they are self-aware. So uh, maybe we should go back to where you were before I interrupted, um, about your, you're, you're straddling the, the, uh, the worlds, I guess, or you're, you're standing, you're, you've made it through that dimension, let's say, and you're, and you're, you're, you said you're one step away from all these different, uh, dimensions or worlds or whatever. That, that's correct. I, so, I was, <clears throat> so you're continuing on from there, which I would assume is something about how, how this propulsion or how this technology would get you from one to the other? Correct. So um, uh, when I mentioned the analogy to the fan, what we're doing when we synchronize with a harmonic of this blinking frequency, and the first harmonic is 2.078 terahertz, the reason we can't synchronize with the fundamental frequency at 1.039 terahertz is because in our terms, you have to think about this, if you've ever seen a sine wave, a mathematical sine wave, you can picture that in your head. Above that horizontal axis, you see uh, a wave, and we'll call that matter, and below the x-axis, we'll call that antimatter. So we see the sine wave that's moving at 1.039 trillion cycles per second, but we only perceive that portion and we're only aware and have physical bodies 
for half the cycle. So in our terms, at 1.039 terahertz, that frequency literally does not exist because it doesn't have a complete cycle. It never has a complete cycle in our terms. So the only way we can access it is through harmonics. So if uh, for those listeners that have a degree in, in math or engineering or physics, they're going to be very familiar with that sine wave, and it, it will make sense that this fundamental frequency, if you tried to find it on a signal analyzer, if you zoomed all the way into the highest possible resolution, what you'd see is a gap that would suddenly appear. And, and, and this isn't possible because it's, such, it's a pure tone. There, there wouldn't be a gap on a signal analyzer except in theory because it, it doesn't exist in our terms. It's a frequency that literally does not exist. But the first harmonic for that frequency, when we synchronize a vehicle to that frequency, um, we step into fifth dimensional space. And there are a lot of amazing things that can happen when we do that. We can travel through time. One of the things that Colonel Corso mentioned, and has been mentioned by a number of uh, books, is that the, the intelligence agencies refer to the beings that were recovered in the Roswell vehicle. They call them P-24s. Why do they call them that? Because they, they, they were not aliens. They were not from another planet. They were future humans. They were from a probable timeline that exists 24,000 years in our future. One timeline. <laughs> and so they referred to them as P-24s. They are also have met, apparently, and there are a number of books that discuss this, where uh, insiders and whistleblowers have come forward and said, yes, we've had uh, uh, discussions with P-45s, P-52s, all of these people being from our future. Some of them are here to help us. Um, I, I, brief, I briefly mentioned that because it, it, it emphasizes the point that the vehicle was actually used for time travel, not space travel, although it is capable uh, of space travel as well. So what happens for these guys when they step into that fifth dimensional space, at that point, the amount of electrical charge that is put on the vehicle determines where you end up, okay? Mm. Now, when we're doing... Long-distance travel, um, there's two things involved. One is what uh, engineers and, and physicists will call the right-hand rule. And if you hold up your right hand and curl it into a fist and point your thumb out, this is the direction that a vector takes when um, – how can I explain this? Uh, it's the curl of an electric vector. So if, if I um, – and stirring a group of electrons in a right-handed motion that are floating, and, and this is just a, a, an analogy. If I've got a, a bunch of electrons that I'm stirring in a pool of water, there will be created a vector force in the thumbs-up direction. Now, why that applies to our spaceship is because that tells us the direction that the ship is going to go in our terms, Okay. So while you're straddling these two universes in fifth dimensional space, you're in a stasis or a suspended animation, and you want to point the vehicle in the correct direction, and you want to give it a precise electrical charge. Now, I didn't touch upon this prior, but I'll touch upon it now. So what can we say about the nature of long-distance travel and time travel? 
is that one, time and distance are illusions. Okay, that's what we're realizing by understanding that our universe blinks on and off. Both time and distance are fundamentally illusions because our universe blinks on and then when it blinks off, everything collapses to a single point. Okay, one point. Everything exists in a single point for a fraction of a fraction of a second. So is that, could that explain the Big Bang? Is that like the first blink or is that just us being able to randomly zoom in on one blink or... That 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 happens a tr- more than a trillion times every second. We return to a but single that one point time. all the time. This happens all the time. There is no beginning and there is no end. In those terms, what I'm saying, so there was no such big, thing as a yeah, big bang. Yeah, it's gone. It's out of, There's out no of the such thing that there is is as religions have stated for for thousands of years. There is no beginning and there is no end. They couldn't explain it mathematically. Here is the mathematical explanation. Our universe literally blinks on and off a trillion times a second. There is no beginning and there is no end. So this ties in well with the electric universe theory, I'd imagine? It does, because that single point is what Seth describes as the electrical universe. And all all consciousness, all memories, all matter is represented in this single point as a vibration or a frequency. Everything. That almost sounds like the, uh, what was the cloud they used to talk about? Or the Akashic Records. Yeah. Everything in those terms, th- those would be ideas. Those ideas would be expressed as a frequency or a memory contained within this single point. And it, it, everything that has happened in any period of time, future and past, any probability, any parallel universe, any physical dimension is contained within that single point. If you can get your arms around that, that that's truly a, a, a staggering amount. Yeah, it's completely um, different ways content. to look at the universe, right? Completely different. Like instead it, of a beginning is. and an end and an expansion, which they're saying is not happening, it's basically always there. It's it's uh, almost, I guess, well, I don't know if it would be infinite or not. And the, and the light, the, the thing is blinking off constantly and creating, yeah, I don't know. Can you get into how how the how we know that it's blinking? Like, is that to do with electrons themselves, or how, how do we know that the universe is blinking at that speed? Well, there's, there's ways that we can test it, but the physical evidence, there, there's several pieces of physical evidence, such as the infrared laser that was used on the World Trade Center. That's one physical example. Uh, Colonel Philip Corso's um, uh, experience and, and reverse engineering of that vehicle, indicating that it was powered by blinking, and it's something to do with blinking. That's another physical example. Um, the third physical example is the uh, the Hutchinson effect. When you combine radio frequencies with light X-rays, um, that combination randomly produces in an environment. Uh, it hits resonant frequencies that com- that uh, that are those harmonics. And then you get things like levitation or rapid aging occur. Um, and the distinction, I, I, it would be a whole other level of discussion to go into the, in the distinctions between when do you get rapid aging and when do you get uh, molecular time travel. But it, it's an interesting discussion. For those readers that are interested, um, you can find uh, several of my free ebooks uh, on rlighthouse.com, and I go into some of those details. <laughs> Yeah, that's fascinating. So, so what it, what was it about the electron then that that you're talking about? Or can we still, you know, I still I'm still curious as to how that 
the universe is, is blanking. Like, is it, yeah, I don't know. I'm still stumped at that, at that part of it. Okay. It's, it's, it, it is difficult to get your arms around it. Um, but it explains and brings together so many um, gaps in our understanding of physics and quantum mechanics. It just puts all of the pieces of the puzzle together. It's like they suddenly all fit together. It explains um, how we have not been able to unify the four fundamental forces of gravity, electromagnetism, the strong force, and the weak force. Um, and in my uh, technical paper, um, where I have discussed mathematical solution uh, unifying the four fundamental forces in nature. In that paper, I describe how those four forces are digital versions of a single analog force. So the electrical universe is analog, and it just the, the simple math that describes it is called analog QAM or quadrature amplitude modulation, which is the same math that is used to describe AM radio. It's that simple. Digital QAM or digital quadrature amplitude modulation is what can be used to describe the four fundamental forces. So you have an analog force in an electrical universe, and every every time the universe blinks on, you get four components of that analog force that appear as our four fundamental forces in a four-dimensional universe. In an eight-dimensional universe, you would have eight fundamental forces. In a 16-dimensional universe, you would have 16 fundamental forces. So the, the, the logic follows very naturally. That blinking, um, some of the ways that you can try to describe it, again, the, the, the fan analogy, the strobe light, where you synchronize with that blinking frequency is one way to perceive it. Um, another uh, One of the ways that we can prove that using current technology, um, I referred to... Uh, on my uh, the main page of my website at rlighthouse.com. And it, here's, here's the, the simple experiment that we can do. In 2007, um, a group of grad students at UCLA did a very unique and very important experiment that's called time stretching. And I've referenced the particular technical paper they've done. And since then, um, there have been a number of people that have gone much faster to sample things at much faster rates. But... Um, uh, these grad students were able to sample something at much faster than the capability of any computer. And the way they did that was if you've probably played with Play-Doh uh, once or twice, in, 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 or maybe your kids have played with Play-Doh. If you can imagine taking a piece of flat Play-Doh and imprinting it with a sine wave, if, if you can imagine that, and then taking the Play-Doh and stretching it with two hands, stretching it out horizontally, what would happen to that frequency? That very fast frequency now becomes a much slower frequency by stretching it out. And by doing that, now we can take our much slower computers and processors and we can analyze that frequency. And before, because that frequency was so fast, our computers couldn't analyze it, okay? And the, the mathematical theory that goes with that is called Nyquist-Shannon theory. Now, Nyquist and Shannon were two uh, brilliant um, uh, mathematicians. Uh, Nyquist did his work in the 1920s when he was trying to analyze uh, telegraphic signals. And he wanted a way to try to break a code, basically, was what he was doing. And later on, a gentleman by the name of uh, Dr. Shannon came along, and he figured out that 
to analyze any frequency, regardless of what it was, he came up with a mathematical proof that showed as long as you sample it at double the rate of the frequency, you can crack any signal and, and break it down into its components. So if I have a one terahertz signal, if I sample it at two terahertz, I can perfectly reconstruct that frequency in all its nuances. And everything that's captured with it, whether it's a code or music or language or all of the above, it will be contained within that frequency and I can break it down into its components and figure out what it is. And so he did a very important mathematical proof that showed as long as I sample that at at least two times the rate, I can, I can decode anything. And so we use that now today in signal analyzer theory. And a signal analyzer is the piece of equipment that they use in electronics labs and at university labs to analyze different frequencies, particularly very high frequencies, because there's lots of, lots of things that happen at the molecular level and the atomic level that happen so fast that we have to sample them at very high rates or we can't break it down and figure out what happened. So signal analyzers can analyze these harmonics that I'm talking about. And, and in fact, they've gotten so good at using this time-stretching method that um, uh, many university labs are already doing very similar experiments. So I've published this with the hope that I can get someone who's got the equipment. And if there's anybody there out there listening that has access to um, electronics and, and can uh, review the, the uh, paperwork and set up this simple experiment, what you'll find is to prove the point that the, the universe is actually blinking, blinking, if you sample that um, um, frequency at 2.078 terahertz or faster, you will find that all four fundamental forces vary just like a sine wave. That's the key that will prove the universe is blinking because you're never going to be able to, 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 to visually measure, measure see it. it. You're not going to see it with your eyes. But what you can do is measure the, the change in the electromagnetic force or the change in the gravitational acceleration that will vary just like a sine wave. And the math for this, again, is very simple. Um, and, and that will be the, the proof that our universe is blinking. And so I've suggested that. And I hope that uh, someone who has access to some good lab equipment might try that experiment in the, in the near future and, and confirm it. So, um, nice. Yeah. That answers it. I, 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 that was maybe a long-winded answer. For <laughs> no, no, that's good. How, um, is there room, how, how is matter created or does matter exist in the, in the, with this model or is it? Mass or matter? Matter. That's a good question, and, and I, I, it, it, it shows that you're thinking about it, because these are some of the same questions that I had when I first tried to get my arms around this idea. Um, matter and energy, uh, what we hear from thermodynamics, if you take thermodynamics as a college class at, at, at any university in Canada or the United States, or anywhere else for that matter, one of the first things they'll teach you in thermodynamics is matter can neither be created nor destroyed. Unfortunately, it's not that true. Wrong in 1945, isn't it? <laughs> it? It's not true. And there's going to be a lot of folks that have a problem with that. But uh, if our universe is truly blinking on and off, then matter and energy are constantly created and never destroyed. 
So because each time the universe uh, blinks on and then off, the antimatter universe blinks on, and our universe of matter literally does not exist for half the cycle. So literally, you have no eyes, no body, there is no house, there is no planet, there's no nothing. Nothing exists for half of that cycle. It's not that, you know, some people have suggested that, oh, that means that all of the matter particles turn into antimatter and we experience that side of oppositely charged particles. No, that's not correct. That, that's a separate universe. We never experience the universe of antimatter. And that also demonstrates that matter and antimatter particles will never meet because they don't exist at the same time. In a blinking universe of matter and antimatter, Matter and antimatter particles can never meet. And that's, that's, you want that, that situation to exist because when you combine, if there was ever a situation where matter and antimatter met, you would, you would have a big explosion. It would be a problem. Yeah, it sounds like um, a problem. Sounds like crossing the streams. <laughs> it would be like crossing the streams. That's correct. So we, fortunately, we will never, there, there is no situations where we can experience that. Now, there will be a lot of physicists and scientists that have a problem with that statement because for more than, uh, or for many decades, uh, I, I think since before World War II, scientists have posited that an antimatter particle called the positron, that is the opposite of an electron, exists. And unfortunately, it's, it's not true. The positron is one of 16 probabilities that are ordinary matter of an Wasn't electron. The positron could be yeah. the same as the neutron, or uh, this kind of reminds me of when we were talking to Neil Adams. It's 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 an interesting it's an interesting discussion, but it it kind of requires a little bit of background in particle physics. And if there are some um, folks with a little bit of background, I, I encourage you to read um, uh, two of my ebooks that are free. One is called the New Standard Model for elementary particles. And the other one is called the first periodic table for elementary particles. And I go into a, a, a greater detail and explain how digital QAM or 1024 QAM literally describes the elementary particles that make up our universe. It is simple math. It is so elegantly and beautifully simple. It will overwhelm any uh, physics major that's been studying Yang Mills theory for many years. The math is so simple that even a child can understand it. It's basically a mathematical pattern. It requires no addition or subtraction, no multiplication or division. It is simply a mathematical pattern. And interestingly, it's the same math that we use to send a Wi-Fi signal or a cable TV signal. It's the same math. So does that mean that consciousness could be somehow being picked up like a Wi-Fi? That might be one way to explain it. I, I would say that your consciousness is analog and matter is digital. So your consciousness always exists even though matter does not. Does that make sense? Like the electric universe. Like the electric universe, correct. So your consciousness always exists within the electrical universe as a frequency and expresses itself as a frequency. And every thought that you express is expressed in the electrical universe as a frequency and permanently stored there. It is never lost. It never disappears. It doesn't lose anything. It is an infinite amount of storage within that single point. Infinite. It is literally infinite. And they charge you $2.99 a month. 
<laughs> and if you want additional storage, there's an additional storage fee. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, have you looked into any of have, or have you has your research uh, lined up with you looking into any of the growing Earth theory or uh, the growing planets or anything like that? I, I have not. I have not delved into that. That that is an excellent question, and uh, I would like to look into that at some point. Um, yeah, kind of reminds me of the. If you're checking out the back catalog, check out it was one sixty something with Neil Adams, and it's not his theory, but he does a good job of articulating it. And uh, yeah, it's interesting because he talks about pair production and and pair production going on with, and for some reason uh, I thought he had the same take on positrons, but I could be mistaken. So yeah, I wanted to talk about that. So positrons, you're saying that is really just one of the various types of electrons, like a possibility of one of the 16 types of electrons? That's correct. Um, what the math tells us, and, and I, I am, uh, my mantra is show me the math. I, I am a kind of guy that says, you know, I love to hear stories about uh, this unusual phenomenon, or this guy saw this, and uh, uh, particularly William Tompkins, who who is, uh, I think, a very credible gentleman uh, with a lot of experience. Uh, he he um, started uh, during World War II uh, and is an engineer, I believe, by uh, training. But uh, he's got a number of videos out, and he's he described some of the things that he's seen uh, with his top-secret clearance that I, I think are truly amazing. But uh, at the end of the day, I always say, show me the math. I'm not going to believe it until I can see the math. And so when I came across this 1024 QAM field and understood that it described all of the elementary particles in a form of a periodic table, similar to the um, periodic table for chemical elements, all of them are lined up and related perfectly in a math table. So there's 1,024 elementary particles, and I know physicists are going to have a problem with that. No, we've only discovered 17. Well, that's exactly the same discussion that was had in the middle of the 1800s about the chemical periodic table. They couldn't understand why so many elements were missing until they mathematically laid it out and understood what um, a mole was, what a molecule was, and understood uh, the, the true nature of the atom, then they could mathematically line up all of these elements and go, hey, there's a gap here. There's one missing. But there were so many scientists at that time said, no, nah, we got them all. We've figured them all out. We're, we're very confident that there's no more chemical elements that we've skipped over. And there were a number of important discoveries into the late 1800s and even the early 1900s where when they finally understood the math, they went, wait a minute, there's one missing here. We got to figure out what this is. And so once you get the math, you find out how many uh, particles, in this case, are missing. And there's quite a few. We've skipped right over a good number of them. And I think one possible explanation is that, and I've had someone comment to me, nah, they don't do sloppy uh, physics at CERN over in Europe. Those guys are very, very meticulous. They're very accurate. There's no way we would have skipped over any particles. Well, if those particles didn't break down from a proton or lead then yes, we could have skipped over them. If they break down from dark matter, then yes, we would have skipped right over them. So what I'm proposing is the reason we've skipped over so many particles on this 1024 QAM table is because they are the breakdown particles from dark matter. And since we're only basically using um, protons and lead 
as as uh, targets and um, accelerated matter in in the um, accelerator beam. That's why we've skipped over so many of these particles. But the math is is something that I trust, and I think something that a lot of physicists and mathematicians will relate to. I trust the math, and and um, I don't remember who said it, but um, uh, there was someone uh, a good number of years ago that said that uh, math is the language of God. It never lies. It never needs translation. It it is pristine just the way it is. Um, and so it's it's something that you once you've spent a lot of years studying math and mathematical formula, you, you learn to trust it. And and when it tells you something that you go, wow, that just that that intuitively doesn't fit. You learn to trust the math because the, the math will steer you in the right direction. Um, but anyway, so that's my quick summary of folks that that are interested in elementary particle theory. I, I encourage you to. Um, look at 1024 QAM because the simple math explains the uh, periodic relationship between all the elementary particles. And I've published a couple of ebooks that are free and available on my website or Amazon, Smashwords, uh, Barnes and Noble, Apple iBooks, uh, etc. Wow. So, so are you saying that 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 some of these other types of electrons are missing particles, and that we'll find eventually? <laughs> Yes, the and, and I probably didn't answer your initial question. So the way the math works for every particle, and and we've identified seventeen of them right now, um, uh, mostly through these accelerators and through CERN. The, the latest being the Higgs boson. Every what I'm stating is that each one of these particles has sixteen probabilities associated with it. Oh, okay. Okay. And so the, the math, the simple math, for, the simple the math. Next, oh, sorry. No, that's okay. Go Does ahead. that mean the next time the Higgs boson could be discovered as something different? It it means that it has 16 probabilities. Each time the universe blinks on, the probabilities are imposed such that a different probable version of that Higgs boson can appear. Now, there's one particular Higgs boson that, that appears the majority of the time. So it's like a statistical uh, bell curve, a very steep bell curve. And those 16 probabilities are mathematically expressed as four charges times four spins. Right now, we're only we're aware of four charges, but we're only aware of three spins. So we still have one spin to discover, and I've written a technical paper about it. There's one spin that's missing. So there's mathematically, there are four spins and four charges, and that <sighs> equals 16 probabilities. And the math proves that. So... Well. So it's, 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 I love the math because it's, it's so clear about what it's stating. And um, so we have probabilities, and that also explains the anomalous magnetic moment. Again, this is kind of a, a, a detailed discussion that particle physicists like to have, where they cannot explain the magnetic moment of uh, particularly uh, the muon particle and uh, other particles. They, they, they can't explain why they know how to calculate the magnetic moment for one of these particles, and when they capture one and measure the magnetic moment, it's not what it's supposed to be. <laughs> and so they keep saying it's an anomaly. Well, the fact is, if they would sample it at 2.078 terahertz, they'd find out there's no anomaly. Because when you sample it instantaneously, each time the universe blinks, the calculation will precisely match the magnetic moment. There won't be any anomaly. And the reason that they're getting an anomaly is because part of the time, 
one of those other probabilities of four charges and four spins appears, and it's got a different magnetic moment. It's the same particle mass, but it's got a different magnetic moment. And that's why there's an apparent anomaly. It's beautifully explained. It's simple math. So then these ones we haven't discovered yet are just even less, uh, less probable? That's correct. Just okay. like just like chemical elements have probabilities of appearance, like palladium or platinum. If you go stick a shovel in the ground and dig up, you're not going to find an ounce of palladium or platinum in there because they're rare. Well, so are some of the probabilities of these different particles. That we, when we capture one, it's likely going to be one of its main probabilities, and we can isolate that for one cycle of the universe and then the probabilities are again imposed and you get that that particle can reappear as the same particle mass but it can have a different charge and a different spin and your consciousness is probably affecting it too that's a great point (laughs) and one that would require a whole different level of discussion but yes you are correct consciousness affects matter and um um, we can segue quickly into that because it's it's a beautiful point. Yeah, yeah, because well, it makes me wonder if a scientist that is expecting to find a certain result or is kind of stuck in a certain place, if their own consciousness is ex- ex- affecting the results, of, especially on the small scale, because as soon as you start getting into Spins quantum, and... you know, everything starts, starts to break down. It's a good point, and uh, there's you can actually explain that mathematically, which is, of course, for me something that I would love. So, um, and this this explanation comes from Seth. Energy and consciousness and matter are one. E equals m c squared. Einstein's famous equation. The equal sign in that equation is consciousness. Consciousness and energy and matter are one because you cannot separate consciousness from the realities that it constructs Mm. it's a beautiful equation simple elegant and it explains the relationship between consciousness energy and matter and it's so simple yeah that's very very interesting i was wondering about uh do you remember our our episode darren with craig flowers about time like time as being a particle like he he came up by so I wanted to ask you about, about sort of more of your path on how you came to wrap all this information up. I know Seth had a part of it. We've had a couple different listeners on as well that have had sort of like, for lack of a better word, a download, some kind of experience where they've, you know, they've been able to write down what they're getting from some other source. Right. And um, one of our listeners came up with his sort of theory of everything. And it was basically like four, four equations of the four things like energy, time, space, and matter. And you just switch the equations around, like energy equals time, space divided by matter, matter equals space, time divided by energy, you know, and so on. Like time equals energy and matter divided by space. And it was interesting because you mentioned time as being a particle that would that would speed up or slow down depending on how close it is to mass or matter. Does that um, does that resonate with you at all? I I haven't seen I haven't I haven't read or seen that before. Um I think the way that it's it's possible, I think the way that I would explain that is that time and space, or space being distance, are temporary illusions that exist in a physical 
digital or discrete universe. And in the electrical universe is analog where energy and consciousness reside permanently. Yeah. And so our physical universe exists for a trillionth of a second. It blinks off and then it's newly constructed, newly constructed. All the particles that are there did not exist the prior blink. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Is there any way it's to, newly, to like... It is literally newly created. Everything that you... We perceive and sense things to age and pass through sequential time when in fact what we're seeing is simply one timeline out of an infinite line of probabilities. And we're choosing to focus on this sequential time, but it's not required. And in fact, um, when, you know, lots of folks that like to meditate and have... Um, have ex- experienced or explained altered states of consciousness, and they they claim some of them claim that they can experience multiple timelines simultaneously. Well, that's that that might be explained as experiencing a more natural state or a dream state that is more natural than experiencing a single timeline in a physically constructed reality. Yeah, with your so, ego running the show. With correct with ego. Um, sort of keeping a rigid grip on allowing only one reality to pass through to your conscious awareness. Yeah. And that's, that's certainly one way to explain it. So yeah. I'm not, I, I'm not familiar with this gentleman's work, but I think I would uh, probably explain it a little differently. Yeah. So then are these like, uh, is there, is there a chance that these persuasion people and these life hackers and these people that are, you know, or is somehow, it using, using somehow, affirmations and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Is there is there some way that that can be tied into this universe being reconstructed? You know, a couple trillion times a second. It, it certainly could. It certainly could. It's um, it, and again, this is this is this is. I have to emphasize in our terms. I always need to put that in capital letters behind anything that I explain because we are describing the universe and, and how it exists from a perspective of being within a single timeline and a physical discrete universe. So everything we describe is going to have limitations. But if we if we express things from the subconscious mind or from the electrical universe, those limitations and boundaries disappear because all of time is simultaneous. And from the fifth dimension, all that time is available to you simultaneously. It's one step in any direction that you want to go. There's no distance. There's no time. You simply step to where you want to go. So I wonder if that would mean that past lives and things like that could just be you just tap into that because it's concurrent. And it seems past. It's not you, but it's just concurrent. Yeah. Crossover. Yeah, but I mean, if you're doing an affirmation, Darren, that you want something, right? Like you've been doing lately. If you did an affirmation... Maybe you're putting it out there. That is energy. That's a charge. That's a something. That's a frequency. And you're putting it out there into this timeline or this not timeline, like linear. Yeah, and then maybe it comes around. Internal. It comes around and, you know, when one of these blinks in it, uh, and that's how it kind of, you know, there's something there for it to just, grab onto. Yeah. Just grab it. Yeah. So, so Richard, how did you, how did you put all this stuff together? Like, obviously not just from your education and reading SAS material. Um, well, I, I love math <laughs> and, um, I, I've always been, uh, very interested in, uh, the space program. I, I spent a number of years working for, um, NASA and NASA contractors, 
And uh, so understanding sort of aerospace, aerospace technology and a lot of the equations that go with it, um, I think was brushing. kind of a direct. What's that? Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. <laughs> uh, were you airbrushing photos over there? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I can't say that I've ever done uh, airbrushing of a photo. But I have heard that that does occur. <laughs> were, were you losing losing moon landing videos and stuff like that? Oh, hiding those no, away? No, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately I, did, I didn't. I didn't get to dabble in that. But, uh, <laughs> so I, I would say my my background of sort of. Um, uh, my father was also in the space program, um, and uh, um, he, he worked very closely with a number of the astronauts uh, at the Johnson Space Center, and uh, so we we got to see a lot of that firsthand. Uh, you know, um, the patches and and the multi day missions. And my father would uh, sleep in his office at work for three days while he was uh, uh, supporting mission control and. Uh, so uh, me and my brothers got to kind of see that firsthand and, you know, a lot of our interests lie in, um, you know, the space program and aerospace technologies. Well, it sounds like you've had a pretty, pretty, um, you know, pretty solid education, mainstream interest in space and all this. Do you get a lot of flack from people that, that you're sort of, you know, into the, you know, this, this technological this hidden sort of technological society and you talk about UFOs and um, 9-11 and all that stuff? Well, I, or do I don't, you go to even uh, care. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm less concerned about um, uh, what people think. I'm, I'm more concerned with finding solutions, finding answers. Yeah. And I, I think any true scientist would, would take that attitude as well. They're, they're less worried what, um, uh, look at Einstein's hair. You, you, you really think you care what anybody thought about him combing his hair? <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure he just didn't care what anybody thought. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, a lot of people's careers have been ruined over, you know, talking about stuff like this, right? Or even just, get, you know, breaking away from the mainstream narrative at all. You know, they, you can only go so far, it seems, before you get uh, pushed down a little bit. Well, it, it, I, I think that's certainly true in academia. Um, but what I would say is if you've got the math to back it up, you, you've got a starting point. And once you've got some compelling mathematical equations, it's real difficult. And, and I found this out recently, um, having extended discussions with, um, uh, folks at, at, you know, from big name universities, um, you know, that, that are appalled that uh, we would bring up anything related to a Roswell subject yeah. or something like yeah, that. And yeah. I'll, I'll say, here's the math. Let's yeah. focus on the math. What problems do you have with the math? And they, they honestly struggle to try to break it down. So um, the math is to segue and, and uh, you know, show me the math. As long as you stick to that mantra, um, there, there's, it's, it, it, the criticism becomes very different. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I get that. Yeah. See, my my thought is the implications are huge because of what you're talking about. They're using this technology, finding solutions. Like if we could, you know, somebody's flying around in this craft with this propulsion, with these propulsion systems, with this energy, you know, and we're still burning great, fossil great, fuels. Great, great, and, great, great, great grandkids. You know, like we're, we, we need, we need these free energy solutions, right? So um, there's big implications here. Absolutely, and I, 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 someone who's very credible, in my opinion, that 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 knows a great deal about this subject, Doctor Stephen Greer. If you could ever get him on your show, he'd be an amazing guest. The yeah, guy he's has hard, more he's hard knowledge. To, he's than, hard to get. 
<laughs> I'm sure he he's what they call a good get, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, amazing guy. And his new uh, movie and um, uh, book that have just come out, literally just this past month, yeah. um, Unacknowledged. I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen the trailers, you can order the book. I probably sound like a commercial for the guy, but um, he has invested so much of his adult career into um, disclosure. disclosure. Yeah. And getting some of these technologies out, and he's built such a compelling case. It goes way beyond anything that I could say here. Um, if, if you're a newbie to, to the subject, I strongly recommend just start with Dr. Stephen Greer. He's got lots of YouTube videos. Uh, his movie that's free is called um, Serious. And, and un, un, Unacknowledged, too, is the new one. Um, <clears throat> I've seen the new one and I, and I actually really liked it. So by the time listeners are listening to this, they might've heard me do a review of unacknowledged on an intro. So yeah, that's great. I'm glad that you, I, I, I can't wait to see the movie. I, um, I, I hope it'll come out to local theaters, but uh, yeah, I, I applaud uh, Dr. Greer's efforts that, you know, it's been in a long uphill uh, struggle to, yeah. to get some of this information out. Yeah. And the, 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 the backup that he has is just, over the top, amazing. Yeah, six hundred uh, eyewitness accounts of people with top secret clearances, advanced degrees, all the academic credentials that you could ever hope for. These guys have got the background and the history to credibly state what what uh, the claims that they're making. So, yeah, I, I applaud his efforts. Yeah, and the good thing is, for once, it's not just this little underground film. Like you go into iTunes now, and under new releases, it's right there. So. I think it seems like it's going to get a lot more, a lot more mainstream attention. Hopefully, yes, absolutely. I I I'll look for your review as well. I'd like to hear uh, what you say about yeah. it. Yeah, it was uh, good. I was Richard, surprised. America was a... has mixed reviews. <laughs> <laughs> we have a slight Greer controversy going on on and off on the show sometimes. For so. four years running. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's. There, there's nothing wrong with a healthy discussion. That's, I, I, that's I, right. I always encourage that. Yeah, that's know? right. I always go down to name calling. That's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> so is I guess that's just your primary focus right now? Is that just like shouting from the rooftops to anyone that'll listen is trying to get this out there? I I would say that's my main message. That's that's a good point. I, my main message is an important scientific discovery. Our universe literally blinks off and on at 1.039 terahertz. And the implications of this are staggering. It will affect all of science. It will affect our religious beliefs. It will affect uh, the way we view our present lives and the technologies that it will bring on board are are stunning to to a degree that we haven't even considered. Uh, this will make physical time travel a reality and not just a discussion for for science fiction. The, the, the results of this uh, working with this frequency and this technology will dramatically alter um, our world and and our standard of living uh, uh, to an amazing degree over the next twenty years. So. Um, uh, I hope that uh, some of the listeners out there that uh, have backgrounds in engineering, math, and physics will take hold of it, do their own research. Don't yeah. take my word for it. Yeah. Do the math for yourself. I've presented the math. Do it, Work it out for yourself. Yeah. You don't have to take my word for it. Yeah. So uh, I encourage that. 
Is it something that would be easier to visualize? Like, have you considered maybe doing a little Kickstarter or something for a little documentary or something like that? Or is it pretty hard to to visualize? No, I, I, that's an outstanding idea. I would I would love to do something like that. Um, um, I, I've I've never never approached that, so I'd probably need some expertise or some help in that direction. But uh, that's an excellent idea. Yeah, I'm sure we've got. Uh... A bunch of listeners that are experts in it. We're not very good at that stuff ourselves, but I'm sure we've got we've got listeners that are. We seem to have a, a listener that's pretty good at everything. So I mean, maybe someone will leave in contact that can help you out. Yeah, and and in both uh, regards. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my contact information is available on uh, on my website. Yeah. So uh, if if you have some information or some suggestions, I, I always welcome comments and suggestions, positive or negative. Yeah. I, I welcome the feedback. That's great. Well, that's what I love about most of our guests. You know, they're open to criticism and you're saying just read it and, you know, you can come up with your own conclusions, but here's the, here's what I've got for data and math and, and, and figure it out. So I like the, well, it's not that dogmatic. It's very open. Yes. Yeah, so I, I, and I think that's the, the, the best possible approach that, that yeah. uh, anyone that's interested in finding, you know, solutions would, would take. Yeah. Once they can say two plus two is five, then they can do anything. <laughs> right on. Well, thanks for coming on, Richard. We'll uh, we'll send you a link and we'll put all your stuff in the show notes. Yeah, this is a good okay. one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I, I very much appreciate your time and uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. I, I'd love to do it again sometime. Right. Shout out to Buddy Clint, our buddy Clint up the road here that always seems to suggest mm. home runs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right on. All right, Richard. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks. If anything lot, else guys. comes up, uh, right. reach out and we'll have you back. All right. I, I like that very much. Thanks, okay. guys. Bye-bye. All right. Uh-huh. And that was our chat with Dr. Richard Lighthouse. The doctor? No. Good PhD try. or something. No, no, no. no. master's. Master's. Yeah. Uh, doctorate would be after master's? Yeah. Hmm. I don't master's, now your doctorate. I just went to trade school. It's a big old dope. Yeah, well, you're doing well. Yeah, I'm doing okay. Podcasting. Podcast. <laughs> <fucking podcaster>. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. <laughs> hey, thank to Rich for coming to the show. It's fun getting to chat with guys like this. Like, yeah, that's, that's mind blowing. Yeah, like, great. I can't believe how many guests have this wealth of information, and I start reading it, and I'm thinking about other, you know, different uh, styles of electron and how mass really isn't what we thought, and matter and time, and it's it's pretty mind blowing. It's amazing. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. And it'd be interesting if they can start tying together with other things, right? It's interesting when they, the people that come on listen to the show. Because it's almost like, now I could email Richard a list of... I really think that could tie in with some of our past episodes. Yeah, you know? I was reading one of his you ebooks, and he, and he mentioned like the Electric yeah. Universe quite a bit. Well, the wall. There. Yeah. Like in one of his ebooks, yeah, well, Thornhill, yeah, yeah, but he didn't mention it specifically. He just mentioned that that sort of model, or or you know that. That was like one eighty five, right? Oh, fuck, that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was a good one too. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh yeah, his yeah. So definitely a good place to start is his ebooks. They're easy to download. You can even put them into your voice stream and have them read to you. But they're pretty short. They're like seven eight minute reads. They're short little technical books. But it's interesting how he got it, he got it from Seth too, right? I've been doing a lot more of the reading. Have you heard of Seth? No. I've been wanting to get into that. I bet Jeff. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not surprised. You're not into the channel books at all, eh? No, but it's cute. Well, I couldn't. I don't think I could read it. 
You should just read it and fill us in. We could do a Seth segment. Okay. What were you saying about your, you've been reading it? You've been reading more? No. What? You, you were just about to tell me you've been reading more. No, I don't think I was. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you're listening more? Something. <laughs> I don't think so. I was going to play the jingle. I was looking for the jingle that Felix sent in, but I'll save it. Okay. Okay. But uh, yeah, uh, check out America.ca slash support, guys. Uh, that's how we're able to have these chats. You don't have to put up with any ads, any bullshit. You just have to put up with us begging for money. Uh, so yeah, check out America.ca slash support if you can. There's a bunch of different options. That was a shout out to our buddy Raw. Right on. Yeah. Check out America.ca slash support, guys, if you can. There's a bunch of different options there. Check out the show notes in every episode. There's like a bunch of other ways you can support the show that are free. Review the show, rate the show, share the show. Spam gram. Is that it? Buy some swag. Sign up for the newsletter. Lots of stuff. Tons of shit. Okay, Do you say guys. Instagram and Twitter? Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> and Facebook. No one ever does a Facebook. Yeah, Facebook's going down. <laughs> think so? Yeah. I think I'm going to, yeah. There's still so many people on it. Like I'm on hockey and this, the, everybody has to text me. All my friends outside of work in the podcast had some pressure have to that, include me, have include me by text because I'm not on Facebook. I've had some pressure for a Facebook group. From who? Facebook people. Because it's like a little mini, it's almost like the Google Hangout, which is full, which we'll talk about in the intro. It's full? We'll talk about it in the intro. Okay. It's not full anymore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.
you supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America. America. The blubbity bar. The blubbity bar. Sending out good vibes. The blubbity bar. Good vibes. The blubbity bar. Good vibes. Good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection. And put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track. Shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection. And put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track. Shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection. And put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track. Shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. If more you supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> 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 <laughs>